Today's date is January 2nd, 2018. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we bring you a super special New Year's edition of Hit the Books Podcast today. Yeah, we're back! For those of you unfamiliar with the show, uh, this is a podcast that we do every week. Uh, it comes out every Wednesday, just in time for your new comic releases. And uh, we run you through the latest news, run you through the new comics at your comic shops every Wednesday, and um, go through some topics for your amusement. And your enjoyment. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe and uh, check us out on YouTube, on iTunes, on Stitcher. And check out our website, www.htbvids.com, for even more content and news and stories and reviews. We bring it all to you. So without further ado, Emery, what have you been reading? Well, I just got done reading issue two of Dark Fang. Yes, Dark Fang is a title <laughs> that I, I liked a little bit more than you did. Yeah. Uh, starting off with the first issue. Yeah, I, I um, gave it another shot. Unfortunately, the second issue I don't think impressed either of us. No. Um, is this, the... this, this is an image title by Miles Gunter and Kelsey Shannon. So, I, I mean, kudos for taking a risk, but the premise just... It doesn't grab me, and I, unfortunately, given the trajectory of the narrative, I really don't think I'm going to continue picking that up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the first issue had me. I was very interested. I wanted to see where the mystery was going to go. I liked like the kind of not too serious world, but kind of serious implications. Yeah. The second book Serious-ish. Yeah. The second book got so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the second issue goes full into eco- terrorism slash you know <laughs> how dare they dig up the oil from the earth i am an ancient vampire and because one of my fangs has some black on it i'm going to destroy every oil company what so apparently in this comic <laughs> I, i'm telling you don't pick it up oh, I, I totally it supported it me. on that first issue and then the second issue was just like rolling my eyes so hard i i, I could barely finish how stupid it was <laughs> Uh, but apparently the the other kryptonite to vampires beyond garlic and steaks and holy water or whatever else is apparently crude oil (laughs) who would have thunk so specifically crude oil that somehow spills during the very convenient time that you happen to be living in the ocean. Yeah. So she's much less of a vampire and more of a kind of corny 90s Aquaman <laughs> uh, with fangs. Oh, so God. Yeah. That issue two completely ruined that book for me. Not going to read it anymore. Not going to waste my money. Sucks because I, I really liked the first issue and I thought the cover on the second issue looked really cool. So. Yeah. And I'm, I'm usually about supporting image titles, but... Guys, guys, we need to start over with this. So what else were you uh, indulging in? I read issue two of Imaginary Fiends. Yes, Imaginary Fiends is a Vertigo slash DC title. Uh, This one done by Tim Seeley and, uh, let's see here, Molnar. Wish I could remember your first name, Molnar. Steven, Steven Molnar. And I don't know what you thought about it, but... I still love this book. This book is still probably top five books that's currently going right now. While the first issue definitely had a uh, 
CW supernatural vibe to it, but with like a different twist. Yeah. Uh, this issue had kind of a mix between that and like really weird X Files type stuff going on. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't know. I I totally dig it. To me, it's like it's kind of like uh, some kind of weird mixture of like Digimon <laughs> with like The Witcher. Yeah. With like um, X-Files, like you said. It's just really cool. Uh, I don't know if it's original. I feel like uh, the premise, the kind of twisted idea it has, has come up before, but I, I can't even think of an example, so I must be wrong. Yeah, um, I, I personally can't think of any book or show or movie that has blended these genres together in such a way yeah so definitely pick up imaginary fiends if you're not already it's one of the best books so far uh premiered last month so there's only two issues should be easy to find still it's a vertigo title so i'm sure it's not selling gangbusters until people actually realize what it's worth Um, catch on to it and it it's worth the money yeah great definitely is worth the money easily uh great art direction cool interesting story a premise that doesn't have to get old quick yeah there's no great mystery or anything it's like a continuous series built on a simple premise yeah so i think it's really cool really original and i'm loving every bit of it so and then finally i think uh we both had thoughts about this one doomsday clock number two and we yeah we each got a cover of it (laughs) different cover yes we did because DC has decided to release these with two different main covers, even though one is listed as the original, which would be mine, and that one's the second version, even though I think that one looks way better. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it definitely gives you a better idea of what to expect in this book. But this is the big cross-world <laughs> comic that everybody expected it mm. to be, uh, revolving around people from the Watchmen and people from the DC universe crossing over in a way I won't spoil. Um, This is another one of those more expensive $5 books. And I think for the second time in a row now, I've been kind of disappointed with how little really happens. This is a very, very slow buildup. This $5 comic. Yeah. Um, I like the quality of the artwork, um, but I feel like nothing is still explained, really, and there's just characters that are there just to be there, and, you know, they're, like, throwing these surprises, I guess, but really, I don't see any reason to have them in the first place. Um, Yeah. So, what I will say I like about this book is that the barcode is on the back, (laughs) which is something I've been griping about. (laughs) Barcode is on the back. Which must... Thank you, DC. It has to infuriate comic shop owners, because they keep putting them in different spots just (laughs) commit to putting them on the back so the art can shine right i love the new you know dc overall look with the um you know the redesign banners and everything but which that one doesn't depict but you know just commit (laughs) yeah there's uh at least a couple of things that i did like about this issue um the biggest one being no advertisements yeah, that's something I didn't notice because I'm just so used to just, just breezing over. Yeah. yeah, 
Um, this was going to be a topic several episodes ago, but I kept forgetting about it. Right. There is something DC has done a few times to me that has absolutely infuriated me, <laughs> oh. where I'll be really into a comic and reading through it, and then I'll be reading the next page, and again, it's a comic, but I'm like, what, what's going on here? What? Where did Gorilla Grodd come from? Why is <laughs> what is Superman doing? And I get halfway through the page, and then I realize it's a fucking Snickers ad <laughs> in the middle of the book, and it pisses me off so much because I'm so into the story. If I recognized it as an ad, I'd just like, oh okay, and just throw it over. But no, they disguise it. DC so it just punches you in the face like a pop up ad or something. Yeah, DC really went under the radar with that one. It's like, oh, it's like, it's Gorilla Grodd. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just a hungry person. I love you, DC, but fuck you. Yeah, it infuriates <laughs> me to no end because I'll be so into a comic book and it just brings me right out. And then <laughs> I can't I can't even remember what was on the previous page because I'm so like frustrated that I just got caught in the stupid Snickers <laughs> ad. You know, it's like those viral videos or, or yeah. like clips or whatever where they have the little you know sign or whatever the circle sign they make you look by doing something stupid you know yeah i feel like that ad is the equivalent of that in comic books and it drives me nuts you know pisses me off so much uh and it brings me right out of the comic books but i I have to their credit i haven't seen one in about three weeks so maybe they wised up i hope so (laughs) (laughs) it was infuriating yeah it's like there's this one thing when I was in the army, they would do these kind of like comics for vets or whatever, or comics for, you know, soldiers overseas or whatever, mm-hmm. which is great because the, the legacy, you know, where comics really got popularized is when they were being sent over to World War Two, and soldiers were reading them, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, you know, and companies were making an effort to send these comics abroad. And then when they came home, they would share these comics with their family and their kids and you know, yeah. spouses and whatever else. You get well, to read what the what kept the soldiers going. What bothers me is that the current iteration of those things, you know, is not an actual comic. It's always like an advertisement. And it, yeah. and it drives me crazy. It's that's, like that's uh, an advertisement for the PX, an advertisement for Snickers, an advertisement, you know, it's not an actual comic anymore. Right. Where that they used to give you like actual comics with stories and not only did that proliferate the business, but it al- it also did a good deed for you know yeah for people serving vets, overseas yeah. and stuff. And um, what it just seems <laughs> I, it frustrated now. me because yeah. I was a comic book fan and I was familiar with the history here. And I'm like, this is just such a waste of the legacy, you know. <sighs> really, kind of sucks, but yeah, that's, that's just a side tangent for me. I don't know. Yeah, uh, one of the other things that I liked about this was uh, how they handled the credits. For this one, instead of actually putting it on an actual page, they put it on the inside of the cover, which was nice. Like yeah. all of the pages between the two covers was devoted to the story. Yeah. So there's some positive things. So right. what about the comic itself? Did it encourage you going forward? Did it bother you? Did how did uh, you feel about I the mean, comic? I mean, I'm my interest is peaked specifically upon the return of a very specific character. Um, There's another thing that this comic does that tries to harken back to something that the original Watchmen comics did that I feel is kind of a gimmick, but it does have me curious to actually read those pages just to see how they're 
basically establishing this universe. Yeah. And also, <laughs> I, I, I mean, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. You've been warned. Batman meets Rorschach. Oh my God! But does he? He doesn't meet Rorschach. He doesn't. He meets That's the right. fucking imposter dude, and R- he, he he eats his fucking breakfast or something. Right. Uh, the, the big thing isn't that it's someone dressed like Rorschach meeting Batman. The big thing is that if anyone has been familiar with like how Rorschach and Batman have sounded in movies for like the last eight years. We now have two characters that sound pretty similar talking yeah. to each other. And at the very least, to me, that's... What do you see on my face? <laughs> I see the fear of criminals. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I wasn't really encouraged by it. But then again, I don't know. I just thought... It was too slow. And granted, the original Watchmen comics kind of start slow too, but yeah, I just feel like they're taking way too long to get to the point. And I feel like some of the things are just kind of huge logical leaps. I'm just yeah. like, well, okay, yeah, I, <laughs> I guess. the The thing that I think is worrisome is that instead of learning from the mistakes that the Watchmen comic made specifically with how slow it took them to get going. Instead of learning from them, they're repeating them. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah. Um you're you're a much bigger watchman guy than I ever have been, but uh Ironically. I just I don't know, I'm still not feeling it yet. I'll probably pick up the third issue just because, but at this point I'm not really feeling what's going on. Yeah. So anything else for you? Any other comic content? Um no, not really. All right. With that, let's get into the news. Ooh, what do we got going on? Uh, we got a handful of things. Uh, as you may have noticed, we didn't have an episode last week uh, because of the holidays and because of illnesses. We tried to do like a one-person podcast, and then my computer crashed, so I lost all the audio, so I said, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, now we're just making up the time. So there's a few news items that were going to be from last week, but obviously we didn't do one for New Year's. And uh, we're getting to it now. So, oh yeah, brace yourselves. Uh, we've gotten the full list of characters receiving the new DC releases via the New Age of DC Heroes, where they're doing what we've been talking about for a long time, where they're introducing new characters that aren't tied to a mantle or a name or whatever. Sweet. While also kind of bringing back some old characters that you know haven't gotten much love since Rebirth happened. So right. Um, just to name a few here, we'll go through them real fast. Um, we have Damage. Uh, you know, I'll just read these things real quick. Damage by Tony S. Daniel and Robert Venditti. Tasked as a, as the government's own living, breathing, ticking time bomb, Ethan retains no control when the monster takes over. The beast is cheaper than a nuclear warhead and twice as effective. And Ethan fights to rein in the damage he unleashes when it springs free for one hour a day. With everyone around him in danger, Ethan struggles to contain the damage, in caps, (laughs) he inflicts on the DC Universe. So, 
<laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Can we can we show that image real quick? Yeah, I'll post it on uh, the video. Yeah, if you're watching the video. Yeah, right here. Um are you do you mean to tell me that we literally came up with the Hulk but for like an hour? <laughs> yeah, essentially. I mean, I I don't know if this is a new character cuz I know there was a very similar character um to this premise. I don't know about the hour thing, but he was like a general or something. Yeah. Um but yeah, this is basically a soldier version of Hulk that only hulks out for an hour apparently. Um there's the next one, something we talked about, The Silencer by John Ooh. Romita Jr. and Dan Abnett. She's one of the DC Universe's deadliest assassins, and you've never heard of her. Super strong, highly trained, and armed with devastating and stealthy metahuman abilities, the Silencer is virtually invincible, or at least she was. After decades as Leviathan's chief assassin, Honor Guest put in her time and managed to get out with her skin intact. Now she lives a normal life with a normal family in a normal house on a normal street. But the past has come back to haunt her in the form of her old employer and a deadly new mission. And Talia Al Ghul won't take no for an answer. <gasps> so this is what we talked about, uh, basically, in a good way, adding diversity to the comics. Um, uh, yes, an original character. An original character. And it's even explained well. Hey, she was a top spy slash assassin. But you don't no know more. her because yeah. she was actually good at her job. Yeah. Um, they call her the silencer because she got people to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Next up, we have Sideways by Kenneth Rockefort and Dan Didio and Justin Jordan. During the events of Dark Knight's Metal, high school junior Derek James accidentally fell through a rift into the dark matter dimension. Never trust a kid. With two first names. Uh, now is Sideways. Yes, Sideways <laughs> is the name. Okay. He can create rifts in midair to leap through dimensions at will. But will with that much power comes great liability, and tears are starting to form in the fabric of the space-time continuum. So he's basically a nightcrawler. Or Blink. With a stupider name. Or yeah. any fucking teleporter. <laughs> Um, vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have the Terrifics, which brings back several characters that you know. One is in the name. <laughs> by Ivan Reese and Jeff Lemire. <laughs> Bound together by fate and united by the spirit of exploration and hopes for tomorrow, the Terrifics are bound from the dark multiverse of metal. I really don't want to read this metal event, but apparently I have to because the whole next year is going to be based on it. Oh, Jesus. Uh, when Mr. Terrific, Metamorpho, Plastic Man, and Phantom Girl find themselves literally bound together by a tragic accident, our team of unlikely allies must rely on one another to make their way back home. But a startling revelation on their return trip brings them face-to-face -face with a new mystery. Where in the universe is Tom Strong? Seems like a Fantastic Ooh. Four kind of ripoff thing going on there. Uh, next we're, up. We're four weird people traveling together. This totally hasn't been done before. I mean, I'm cool. I like Mr. Terrific. <laughs> I w if Mr. Terrific didn't have such a stupid name, I feel like he would be a really cool, really popular character. Yeah. Uh, Metamorpho, I can take or leave. Um, Phantom Girl, I, she's... Yeah. She was big in the New 52 for an event, and that was about it. Plastic and then Man plasti needs. Plastic Man is entertaining. 
and nothing needs, else. He needs to do something about those fucking strings he keeps having across his chest. <laughs> I'm tired of looking at them. I just think he's a fun character. Stupid character, but fun. Uh, next up, Immortal Men. This is a book I, I was interested in. Haven't picked it up yet, though. Uh, by Jim Lee and James Tinian IV. Okay, you said Man. Jim Lee, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to check it out. Uh, there is a secret history to the DC universe of heroes who have protected humanity from the shadows since the dawn of time. Heroes who can live forever enter the immortal men. The team headed by the immortal man has waged a secret war against the house of conquest for countless years, but conquest has dealt a devastating blow when their base of operations known as the campus is savagely attacked, the immortal men must seek out their last hope, an emerging metahuman known as Caden Park. Caden's emerging powers may be able to ensure the immortal men's survival, but will Conquest get to him first? So, there you go, and I'm pretty sure the House of Conquest is basically, you know, Savage and, you know, Ra's al Ghul and those characters. The other immortal men. Yeah. So, the good immortal men is the basis of the comic going against the, the known the, the, bad the in bad immortal men. men. So those are some new characters that that's interesting. I'm definitely interested in it. We'll see. We'll see if I like it as much as I think I will. Yeah. Uh we have The Curse of Brimstone by Philip Tan, who has frequently gotten art nods from us, and Justin Jordan. Joe Chamberlain is not just your average kid trying to get by in his own chewed up and forgotten small town of York Hill. He also unknowingly made a deal with the devil that cursed him into Brimstone. So I'm guessing that's his character's name. Now with the power of fire and destruction in the palm of his hands, Brimstone can turn his town around and seek revenge on the devil who cursed him. But in order to maintain his heroic form, Joe has to endure every second of the fiery pain burning out from the inside out. So wait, wait a minute. <laughs> so it hurts him. Uh, Ghostwriter much? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> kind of like Ghostwriter. But without the fucking motorcycle. <laughs> Johnny Flame. But he, he, if you've seen pictures of him, I'll post it here. You, you can't really see it here, but he's like a big giant guy. Uh, you know, he's he, he's he, a big man. He's not like slick and cool like Ghostwriter. <laughs> you know? I'm a big man who's on fire so on the inside. It hurts him to use his power, but he can use it. Uh, next up, New Challengers by Andy Kubert and Scott Snyder. I guess this is what Scott Snyder's doing next. Hmm. Characters live on borrowed time, running from death toward the greatest mysteries, wonders, and terrors of the universe. It's a new cast on a new mission with the history and greatness of the original Challengers of the Unknown. The story starts with Challengers Mountain returning after having been missing for years and only gets wilder from there. Very vague. <laughs> The uh, Challengers. Next up, we have The Unexpected by Ryan Sook and Steve Orlando. The Unexpected orbits around a group of heroes who yearn to show the world that they're more than the sum of their past mistakes. It centers in on something we all face every day, wrestling with our pasts and the compromises we've made. The Unexpected is offering a second chance for these heroes, and even if they don't all know they want one. So, Thunderbolts? Okay. <laughs> So there's some interesting ideas there. Uh, yeah. Some a little more familiar than others, but I, I applaud them for at least trying, trying something yeah, new. Yeah. Trying Ple- something new without ruining what exists and right. adding bringing, diversity. Bringing in new in characters. In a way that makes sense. Yes. And so I'm all about it. Uh, they, these will all be given a shot at least. Yeah. Next up, 
Uh, several Marvel titles are being canceled in March, including She-Hulk, Jean Grey, Luke Cage, Defenders, uh, excuse me, Unbelievable Gwenpool, Hawkeye, Generation X, and Iceman. Others, such as America and Defenders, have not been addressed yet, but are also not listed in the March solicitations. So, I think some of these books we've been critical of. Uh, I think, I think y- I've been critical of every single one of them. You've been critical of Iceman, for sure. And, um, um, what am I thinking of? America, obviously. <laughs> um, honestly... Oh, God. I think uh, uh, what was quoted as the reason for a lot of these is either events or sales. In the case of uh, books like She-Hulk and Luke Cage and Defenders, it was sales quoted. Um, Things like um, Jean Grey, it's events, obviously, with her return or whatever. They're probably going to do with the blue version. (laughs) Right. It's going away. The blue's going away, and we're going to have... Team Red! And a lot that's going into this is the Brian Bendis, Bendis uh, departure, which yeah. we'll get into in the next news item. But um, I don't think many of these titles are going to be missed, <laughs> if I had to guess. Um, uh, I know... Uh, Iceman, Iceman can burn. I know Iceman was getting some like critical acclaim for what it was doing, and I, I was interested in the concept until you brought up that, yeah, they completely changed his parents and made... His parents like weird and yeah. not accepting of certain things, and then right, his, his parents who have been historically of all the the parents of the X Men, those were the most accepting, and then we go and switch is like, oh, you being a mutant, probably the most hated thing in this world is fine, but you being gay, <gasps> oh no, he likes penis. <laughs> <laughs> he could kill everybody on this continent, but he likes penis. <laughs> it's not like it's. 20 fucking 17. Yeah, it's pretty. And I'm pretty sure he's not like from the South or something. I'm right. Pre- it, sure. They made him like 90s gay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little outdated, a little silly in that <sighs> that context. I think it would have been it, much more interesting if they if didn't like cr- critically change key, key characters in his life. You right. Know? And if they were going to have that be like a thing for him, do it respectfully. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I've heard a podcast with the the writer of that book, and uh, I'm pretty sure he himself is also gay and also experienced some of what he's writing about. But, and I think it's the same issue I had with Grayson, right? Where they had a good idea, but they forced it on a character that it doesn't fit for, right? Um, and I, that's exactly what I think. And uh, you know, yeah, you're anybody right who saw the new Star Wars probably has some of those feelings as well. <laughs> yeah, a person put their own fan fiction and forced it on. <laughs> A world that doesn't really fit. Right. It's like, I have all of these good ideas, but I want to put it where it doesn't belong. Where it'll make money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, As we alluded to, Brian Bendis has announced Invincible Iron Man number 600 will be his final Marvel title uh, with the company before he does his full transition into DC. Um, In addition... Uh, those looking forward to Punisher End of Days, the spiritual successor to Daredevil End of Days, and a book that's been critically well-received, will be disappointed to hear Bendis has canceled the title. He will leave Defenders with number 10, Spider-Man with number 240, and Spider-Men 2, number 5. <laughs> so, if you're a big Brian Bendis fan at Marvel, those are the last issues you'll get from him until he goes over to DC and does his new thing and um 
Hopefully you weren't looking forward to Punisher End of Days too much because it looks like it's over. Just just let um, him go. Please, for the love of God, just let him do something where he might actually give a shit. I don't know. Um, I, I like a lot of his work, but he's brought some pretty awful ideas in the recent years, um, specifically with like big events. Yeah. Uh, just like I criticize DC all the time with their <laughs> nonsensical big events sometimes. Um, between those two uh, news items... I'm starting to suspect they're paving the way to bring the Netflix characters that Marvel owns out of the spotlight in response to their purchase of 21st Century Fox. Because as we talked about, (coughs) I believe in the previous episode or the episode before, with the purchase, they now own the majority stock of Hulu, a competing streaming app that shows, shows movies, whatever else. I suspect that they are starting to pave the way for people to kind of like forget about Daredevil, forget about uh, Punisher and uh, Defenders and Iron Fist. And it seems like these issues and these titles seem to be the ones that are being targeted the most. Right. And um, I think they're paving way to transition those properties to Hulu instead of Netflix. Yeah. I I don't know what the semantics are. I don't know what the deal would be, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion that once the deal gets approved by Congress and, you know, yeah, uh, all those other things and, uh, you know, we stockholders, still, I think yeah. I think there's going to be a transition phase where those properties either will disappear from Netflix or they will go directly to Hulu. So Yeah, we've still got some time, uh, like maybe about a year, according to what's been reported. So there are still going to be uh, Marvel Netflix shows at least for the next year coming out. But after that, it's very likely they'll be moving yeah. to either Hulu or a proprietary Disney app. Yeah, there, there are different titles lined up for release for sure. But they there are no new projects in development right. as of right now. And I think that's why. I think they're probably setting up to move as much as possible to Hulu. So they can get rid of Netflix altogether. Yeah. Because now, not only is Netflix going to be a primary competition for the Disney streaming app, but they're also going to be competition for uh, the Hulu app. Because, once again, Disney is going to own everything except for Netflix, pretty much. Slowly. And I don't think Netflix is going to be able to recover because, you know, a lot of their business is Disney movies on their streaming app yeah uh, marvel slash star wars properties on their streaming app and once you remove those from the equations i mean you still have a large amount of content but if hulu gets those contracts instead and netflix has been struggling to earn a profit for years and years now they've been taking the amazon approach where they make it so cheap and so yeah ridiculous that they get a bunch of people that just commit to it for long term or you know it becomes iconic you know netflix and chill you know whatever <laughs> else but I think they're going to discover their coffers aren't ready for a Hulu plus Disney streaming app full assault. Oh, uh, yeah. And now with DC trying to push their streaming app, I assume a lot of the D- Warner Brothers properties are going to be removed from Netflix, too, before too long. Yeah, so, th- it's th- um, the digital landscape. Prepare for it to change quite drastically within about a year because yeah. things... It's about to become the the Wild West of the digital age. Yeah, I think if this deal gets approved with Disney and all the other factors that have to happen, I think five years from now, I Netflix probably won't even be a significant 
business. Probably not. So, just something to think about there. Um, next up, Krypton, the Sci-Fi Channel's Superman-based origin series, has received its first trailer and release date of March twenty-first, twenty eighteen. So we watched this trailer. We did. It's very short. Doesn't really show a whole lot. Um, but what I gathered is. Apparently, even though Superman says his outfit is the outfit of his people, nobody wears capes or bright <laughs> colors in general. There was one cape. Everybody was wearing... For like a couple seconds shown in this thing. Everybody was wearing dark gray and black. Yeah, <laughs> Everything was dark and gray and black. Yeah. And I think the most disappointing aspect about it, <laughs> they're fully committing to the Snyderverse version <laughs> of Krypton and bringing yeah. back the stupid fucking usb superman drive <laughs> that has space yeah. dad on it that, that that was a thing there was also uh i think there was a either a place to put it in or just a random spot where they had the symbol of the house of l or as everyone else calls hope. it the fucking s thing hope um where a guy cuts himself and that's how, like, it's the most emo creation of a yeah. symbol I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this te- this civilization <laughs> is so technologically advanced, but they still need to slice open their hand and bleed all over the stupid <laughs> computer panel with this stupid black USB stick. It's a symbol writ in blood. Just wait. <laughs> they'll, they'll bring back the penis, the big giant black <laughs> penis prison ships they had in man of steel oh please please do it i want the internet to go fucking crazy over even this more of shit. the many reasons the snyder verse is terrible <laughs> giant, giant phallic prison ships can someone make a video of those things going up into space but like cut it to like careless whisper <laughs> <laughs> and then in the silhouette of the sun you see snyder's face <laughs> Be like the little baby in teletubbies or whatever <sighs> instead of laughing at the <laughs> phallic ships rising into space like <laughs> or at least that's how i think he's laughing because guys guys you guys aren't going to believe this i have this amazing idea <laughs> i don't think anyone's going to catch it until it's too late yeah i'm not a big sci-fi channel guy uh, like i use sci-fi channel to watch reruns of star trek and if that like twilight zone on new year's <laughs> That's about it. I don't know. So, but it looks like it's filmed well. It doesn't it isn't like covered in a bunch of like goofy CG effects. It looks like they actually put a lot of money into it. Yeah. My issue is they're relying on the Snyderverse nonsense and they're fully committing to it. And um nothing seems consistent with yeah. what has been established. <laughs> yeah, my so. issue is that they're putting it on the Sci-Fi Channel, which uh from what I've known that's where you either put a a really dumb movie that has a dumb premise to go and maybe kind of flourish for like a few months, or that's where you put a TV show to go die. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it'll be their moneymaker. It'll be what keeps them alive, but... Yeah. Hopefully the Superman brand will save them. We'll see how it goes. They got several young people. They look like they're in their early 20s, mid-20s. Yeah, you know, playing which, who? Which yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know who? Who the fuck are these people? Right. You know, like, obviously you weren't gonna pay Russell Crowe, but <laughs> you telling me He's Russell like, Crowe has been designing the stupid USB stick since childhood? I don't know. We'll see. This is a technology that we've had for a very long time. 
Next we news item. <laughs> yeah. Next news item. Star Wars: The Last Jedi has received a mixed reception, to say the least. Be sure to check out our review and uh, spoiler cast after the review um, on our channel, on our YouTube channel, and on our podcast services. Uh, no big surprise, we didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. God. There's a lot of plot holes, a lot of issues, and uh, quite frankly, I hope <laughs> I hope they just nix this one. Just to go, nope, that never happened. Um, fans have started a petition to have Ryan Johnson's Star Wars removed from the current canon and completely redone via J.J. Abrams' vision. The current number of signees resides around 80,000 people. I'm one of them. <laughs> um, uh. Now, 80,000 people in the scheme of how much money they earn at the box office, you got to realize that... That's literally that, a drop in the bucket. That doesn't sound like a lot, but you got to think, people have so much vitriol about this movie... That a that petition they, was they started. They went to change.org, <laughs> started a petition, recruited people, just some random guy, <laughs> and it was so strongly supported that 80,000 people came out of the ether to sign his petition Yeah, on change.org. Jesus. And that's not insignificant, and I think... You know, you were going. People are going to pay to see these stupid Star Wars movies, even if they're bad, because if it just breaks a hundred thousand, then I think I'll be like, "Oh man, yeah." So this is a big deal. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think Ryan Johnson should have ever touched the Star Wars franchise. I think he's a good director, but this he was not made for Star Wars. Let uh, him do something just, else. It seemed or... like he was trying to make some big political sweeping statement and challenge every. Th- expectation you could even create and just he, he made a story that was not star wars to me he, and just he made filled <laughs> with nonsensical plot holes to justify more messages i guess i don't know he, he he tried to make a story that was very small yeah in a universe where the stories are supposed to be big yeah, the entire movie la- is during the span of like 24 hours yeah it's just and it's immediately after the last movie which makes even less sense so yeah yeah there's a lot of problems with the movie but uh check out our review and spoiler cast to let us know if you agree or disagree and why because we've been trying to find people with positive outlooks on this movie you know every positive outlook i've seen one was adam savage famous for mythbusters on his tested podcast and i was like okay he liked it so let's see he's a big star wars guy the entire review was him just sucking ryan johnson's dick for his previous work <laughs> didn't talk about the actual star wars movie itself at all none of none of them all they did was talk about how great the props were and how great ryan johnson is and his former movies and then like the podcast ended i was like well you didn't give me any reason to like the movie itself you gave me reasons to like ryan johnson's former work and stage props which to be fair is adam savage's big thing yeah in the world of magicians we call that misdirection so yeah uh every review that has been positive and there's been very few that i've seen um unfortunately they all seem to kind of be more on the i support ryan johnson camp not i support a good star wars story right so we'll see uh and our final news item uh, for PlayStation Plus subscribers, Batman the Telltale Series Season 1 is free on the service this month. Make sure you go and claim it before the month is over. And I hate myself because I literally <laughs> just bought this game like two, three weeks ago to review it. 
having yeah. no idea that it was going to be free on PlayStation Plus, and I hate myself. <laughs> well, because I can't shit. return it. <laughs> so, oh, I have not purchased it yet. <laughs> so now we can both review it. Hooray! Uh, and that, my friends, is the news. So we come to that special time where, for the first time of the year. I get to ask you, what books are we hitting up this week? I thought you'd never ask. All right, uh, first up, we get uh, all our listings for every week from freshcomics.us. Again, that's freshcomics.us, spelled the way it sounds. Uh, This is an awesome resource, and we use it every single week to see what the new releases are going to be. So first up, from Marvel Comics, we have Astonishing X-Men, number seven. We have Black Bolt, number nine. We have Captain America, number 697. We have Guardians of the Galaxy, number 150. We have Hawkeye, number 14. Again, ending in March. Iceman, number 9. Again, ending in March. And being penetrated by Dakin. He's <laughs> uh, penetrated from behind. Uh, oh, God! He's giving him the Wolverine shocker. Oh, like that, but like here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, two in the butt, one in the nut. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's how your dingles dangle. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Iron Fist number seventy-six. Was that wrong of me? I feel like it was wrong of me. I don't know. I regret uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we have Phoenix Resurrection: The Return of Jean Grey number two. Uh, we have Rise of the Black Panther, number one. We have Rogue and Gambit, Get Hyped, number one. Hey! You excited? Um, I will be either very excited or very disappointed when I finally pick up this book. (laughs) Uh, next up we have Spider-Man, number 236. Again, Brian Bendis' last one will be number 240. Uh, we have... Star Wars, number 41. We have uh, X-Men Gold, number 19. And finally, we have X-Men Grand Design, number 2. From DC Comics, we have Batman, number 38. We have Batman and the Signal, number 1. Because we didn't have enough fucking Batman spinoff characters. We got a yellow one this time. So stupid. I'm so (laughs) sick of this. So lazy. Apparently you, he DC. comes. Apparently he comes from this metal event too, which just makes me want to read it even less. Thank you, DC, uh, for giving us more of the same. So <laughs> there, there does not need to be this many bat characters. Please stop. <laughs> you have plenty. Work with what you got. Make new characters, please. Uh, next up, the biggest release for us, I think, Batman White Knight number four. Okay, I take back what I said about Batman. This is the one that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Get hyped! Get hyped! Uh, next up, we got Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands, number three. Call him Lightning! Uh, DC. But he's I, black. I swear to God. <laughs> we, we get it. Also, for a black guy, his lightning is real white. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Bombshells United, number nine. We have Cyborg, number 20. We have Dastardly and Muttley, number five. We have Deathstroke, number 27. Uh, 
We have Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles, number one. We have Green Arrow, number 36. We have Green Lanterns, number 38. We have Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica, number four. We have Immortal Men, which I mentioned, number two. It's hey. part of the new releases. Uh, the new realm of DC heroes or whatever. The new guys. Uh, we have Injustice 2, number 17. We have Jetsons, number three. We have Justice League, number 36. We have Nightwing getting his ass kicked yet again, number 36. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Johns need to just fuck off, all right? <laughs> Every cover doesn't have to be Nightwing getting his ass killed or beaten or cut up and blown up. Just have a normal cover. You thought you were safe with him being distracted by Doomsday Clock. You were wrong. <laughs> Stop trying to kill Nightwing. <laughs> Can't hold him down. Um, next up, we have Superman, number 38. Sons of Tomorrow. Uh, from IDW, we have Atomic Robo, the Spectre of Tomorrow. We have Ghostbusters, Answer the Call, number two. We have Goosebumps, Monsters at Midnight, number two. We have Popeye Classics, number 65. We have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Universe, number 18. We have Infinite Loop, Nothing But the Truth, number three. And we have Transformers versus the Visionaries, number one. Can, can I just ask uh, who and um, what? Apparently, they're just people with swords. So we're having giant machines versus sword ladies. Sounds legit. Uh, yeah. About that. (laughs) (laughs) Next up from Image Comics, we have Birthright, number 29. We have Crosswind, number 6. We have Extremity, number 10. We have Number 1 with a Bullet, number 3. We have Paper Girls, number 19. We have Rock Candy Mountain, number 7. We have Scales and Scoundrels, number 5. We have Spawn, number 281. Ooh, yes. We have... The Grave Diggers Union, number three. We have The Walking Dead, number 175. And we have Throwaways, number 11. From Titan Books, we have Captain Kronos, number four. We have Dan Dare, number four. We have Doctor Who, New Adventures with the Twelfth Doctor, year three, number 11. Sonic screwdrive yourself. <laughs> we have Minky Woodcock, the girl who handcuffed Houdini, number two. We have Penny Dreadful, number eight. We have Quarry's War, number two. Doesn't Penny Dreadful have a Netflix series? Uh, Penny Dreadful, I think, actually originally showed on HBO. And then I think the the series ended and then like moved to Netflix. Hmm. I still have to give it a watch, but yeah. oh, it it's it's great. Uh, yeah. I I love every second of it, or at least the first season. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Sherlock: The Great Game, number six, and from Dynamite Entertainment, we have The Shadow Cross Batman, number four. The Shadow knows. Uh, from Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time, number seventy-two. We have Giant Days, number thirty-four. 
And that's it. From Archie Comics, we have Archie Jumbo Comics Digest number 285. We have Cosmo number one. From Valiant, we have Secret Weapons number zero. That's it. All right. Okay, Valiant. Are you even trying anymore? <laughs> we like variants. From Dark Horse Comics. <laughs> they should be called Variant Comics. <laughs> they really should, though. <laughs> From Dark Horse Comics, we have Giants number two, book we weren't, I don't think either of us were really wild about. No, not really. Uh, and Kosechi, The Deathless, number one. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Kosechi? Kosche? 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 I don't know. Yeah, I, we'll I, figure it out. I gave him a best shot. <laughs> Kosche. From Aftershock Comics, we have Animosity, Evolution, number three, and Baby Teeth, number seven. From Lion Forge Comics, we have Catalyst Prime, Noble, number four. From Scout Comics, we have Solar Flare, season two, number three. From Vertigo, we have The American Way, Those Above and Below. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious Nay Life Changing Award of Cover and Variant Cover of the Week. Ooh, who's it going to be this time? This week... We get to give it to the comic we know and love. Hey! DC's Batman White Knight number four. You by, damn right. By Sean Murphy, who also writes it. Oh, yeah. Receives the regular cover of the week. <sighs> oh, yeah, buddy. Get it. That's right. So The th- one bat title I'm actually interested in. <laughs> <laughs> so this one has a really cool cover where it's showing like the kind of presser poster with Napier. AKA the Joker. Right. Again, we've been telling you to read this comic for four months now. Read it, this fucking comic. It, it deserves it. It's Pick real, it up. It's really good. Oh. Um, and it depicts kind of the uh, the unique art style for this version of Batman uh, with kind of a collar. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, um, he has a popped collar with his cape. A little more Dracula-like in this book. Only a little. Uh, bleeding from just about every pore on his face. So... <laughs> It's just a really cool cover. It just has a really cool kind of aesthetic, cool, uh, I would say, art direction and color palette. Um, and it makes the red from the blood and the Napier on the sign really stick out. And even you can kind of see, you know, Harley Quinn with her red on there really poking out. Yeah, I find it interesting that this is the one Bat title that makes Batman look like he's about to die almost as much as the Nightwing cover. <laughs> Almost. Almost. <laughs> That's a high bar to reach. That's a lot of covers. Oh, buddy. One character just getting brutally fucked up every issue. This disproves uh, the rule. Everybody gets one. <laughs> it's so bad. But uh, what is not bad is Batman White Knight number four and its beautiful cover by Sean Murphy. And as always, you can come back next week to learn whether the content matches drapes. I'm pretty sure this one's going to match the drapes. Yeah. Spoiler alert. This is a good book. <laughs> uh, unless he does something wild, I, I think it would be very difficult to ruin this book. Yeah. He, um, he made like one change last time that even though it seemed particularly harmful to you, uh, 
<laughs> Why does everybody shit on Nightwing? <laughs> that being said, despite that, it's still a really good book. <laughs> it still manages to rise above that minor gripe. So I look forward to hearing us talk about number four next week. And something that rarely happens, it's a book that we've been continuously reading. So even though it's a number four, we yeah. can actually read it. Yeah! Uh, next up, the award of variant cover of the week goes to <gasps> Images The Walking Dead number 175. Yes, it's still happening. Yes, it's still going. That was This was actually a shock to me that uh, this one with it still happening and still going, manages to have a cover that was interesting enough. Yeah. And this cover is done by uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. 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 Did I get that right? Let me know, uh, Bill. Shankiewicz. Shankiewicz. Yeah, that's probably that's probably closer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's won the, the award several times now. He, he just has a very unique, awesome style um outside of comics he's well known for this kind of watercolor looking like i don't know it's so hard to describe kind of like faded painting look to all his work yeah but it, and he manages to take that uh that style yeah. and apply it to an image that basically looks like a jacked up uh what do they call those mug shots <laughs> this, yeah this a little looks bit like this kind of looks like a mugshot. I mean, for those who have even kept up a little bit with the Walking Dead comic, they would know that this this cover very much represents what Rick has become Yeah. Uh, later on in the comics, which, uh, according to Robert Kirkman, he's going to be ending around the 200 mark because there is a definite ending for Walking Dead, and he also has a definite ending for Invincible. So um, we're getting close now, you know. There's probably about three more years of comics left for this this series, and um, it's I, nice I'm, to see yeah. this. It's I, nice to see this variant cover because, to be honest, the regular covers have been really underwhelming from Walking Dead for a while, and I think Invincible has that problem too. Yeah. With that said, I'm gonna take that as an easy plug to go read Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> the TV series is coming. You might as well. Yeah, yeah. Get get pumped. So, um, yeah. Shout out to Shinkowitz. Hopefully, that's the right name. Uh, this cover is awesome, just like a lot of your artwork. And again, it's not the first time you've been on here. So, congratulations. <laughs> You're keeping the standard pretty high, especially on these variants. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that one, we probably won't really tell you if the content matches the drapes because I typically wait for the giant 50 issue uh, compendiums yeah. to go through it. And they haven't released this one for obvious reasons. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it just came out. So one day we'll get there. Be sure to check out next week's episode to know if uh, Batman White Knight number four did indeed match the drapes. Uh, and for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss the topic of our choosing about the world of comic books. Mm. What do you say, Bob? I thought so too. <laughs> Emery, what is your topic? So my topic for tonight is actually something that has been kind of off and on on my mind about uh, thinking about superheroes, specifically in their movie and TV outings, yeah. as it were. There's something about DC characters that for some reason Marvel, like by and large, hasn't really been able to really get 
or understand. And that's music. <gasps> oh, buddy. Danny Elfman, save us. <laughs> oh. oh, God, that nearly killed me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Danny Elfman, no. <laughs> um, I will say, though, Danny Elfman, like a number of other people who have scored DC Comics characters in their live-action runs and debuts, they have somehow managed to nail... A, a score or some kind of symphonic or uh, some kind of musical backdrop to let you know that this character has arrived. Yeah, and I think that's true of just about every DC iteration. I think DC has done this continuously very well. Even the ones we don't like, like the Wonder Woman one, which yeah. always pops up at inappropriate times. <laughs> it's iconic. Like, you can't get it out of your head. It's like, we need to... G- it's like, let me do cello. Epi- <laughs> epic electric cello. Yeah. Oh, buddy! As goofy as it is. <laughs> It sticks in your head, and you know what character that is the moment you hear it. Like, the minute you hear that, you think Wonder Woman. But I think about Marvel (laughs) and, like, besides licensed music, you know? (laughs) Right. uh, You know, for, like, Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok or something, you know? Or, like, any Ozzy Osbourne track for Iron Man. I feel like if you played the music, I probably wouldn't be able to place the character or the group. You know, maybe the Avengers music, but even then, I think I would probably struggle. Uh, Yeah, with the Avengers, like, their their music, it doesn't, like, really start with them, like, playing the music. Like, the music for them, like, it always comes in when they're having, like, their moment. And... For that one moment, it's like, oh, yeah, it's the Avengers. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, but it doesn't have, Marvel hasn't managed to encapsulate any of their heroes with a piece of music. At least least not in movies. Right, not in movies. Um for I, I will say the cartoon X-Men from 1992. Yeah. That's the one that everyone can go to, and the minute they play that music, it's like, oh, shit, it's the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. They need to just make a big orchestral version of that and put it in the new movies. Oh. That needs to be their theme song. You, you already have it in your head. Yeah. If you grew up at any point in the 90s or early 2000s, you probably watched the old X-Men from the 90s. Yeah. I, and you have that music in your head, and it's awesome. That has been, like, the one biggest thing that I have always hated the X-Men movies for. They have had this golden ticket, this golden (laughs) opportunity to get everyone pumped for an X-Men movie. This would be the one thing that could actually probably make me overlook a lot of problems with their movies. You could even, like, if you have, like, a really dark and, like, harrowing movie, you could even slow it down. 
Which they did in the cartoon. One of the things sorry. that the cartoon... We're both a little sick. Sorry, folks. Uh, only a little. Uh, one of the things that the cartoon was actually really good at doing was taking that track and bending it and twisting it and like basically doing whatever the hell they wanted to yeah. to make it seem like, oh, man, the X-Men are going through some shit right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. I feel like it's not the case anymore with present cartoons. Maybe, maybe I just don't have that factor, but I feel like the music production for the cartoons today is nowhere even close yeah. to what it was in the 90s. Yeah, it's I feel like those, you know, Spider-Man, even with the goofy, like, <laughs> overwa from Aerosmith. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a Spider Man, radioactive <laughs> Spider Man. Like, yeah, like, like I, I still I, remember that clearly. Right, like <laughs> the the Batman animated series. You know. Yeah, you could play that a little bit, and I already know where that music's going to go. Like, all that music was super iconic, and I feel like right around when Justice League came out, that's when the cartoon Justice League. That's right, the cartoon, not that fucking piece of trash movie. Your <laughs> shitty Beatles cover. Uh, oh no! Uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. Um, the movie is not the song. Not the song. Um, I feel like right around that era is when the 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 music started to kind of drift off into an area where, like, I can't even. You know, I was still watching cartoons, you know, but I can't remember a single <laughs> musical note from any of those cartoons. Right. Or any of those kids shows or, you know, just just don't. I think that's when anime kind of took over as the kind of 
you know, music identity. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then everything else just kind of faded away. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, so even the Nolan trilogy had a very iconic music to it that you still remember. You know, you yeah. hear that. you know immediately that's batman that's dark knight that's nolan yeah yeah that that's one thing that i think is interesting is like each iteration of batman has managed to have a pretty rememberable score yeah it's like something about batman where it's just like somehow musically they get it yeah i feel like that might be my biggest criticism of the current like kind of mantra they've given batman yeah he has nothing that really stands out you know yeah he just looks kind of obese and sad <laughs> he's just kind of and there his music is like a like mishmash of like different former ones but not done in a way that's like really iconic and really stands out you know right like they insert little cameos to previous like iterations but not like the best <laughs> but Meanwhile, like, 89 Batman was awesome, you know, right. musically. Um, the animated series, awesome, musically, you know. There's, all these series have very standout, very iconic music, and, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know what's happening there, but for some reason, like, Batman currently aside. Yeah. Um, Ninja Turtles, oh, that's another big one. Oh, my God. Super iconic music. Every uh, time. Amen. Maybe Teen Titans a little bit, but I feel like even that's like I don't. Re- I, I I remember I, the cadence, but I don't really remember anything else about it. Well, Teen Titans. Teen Titans. W- Teen Titans was very anime. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it very much ripped off kind of yeah. the strengths of an- anime. Yeah, and to its credit, they knew how to use that and use it well. Yeah. Um, with specifically Marvel. Since the 90s, I can't remember what any one of their soundtracks sounds like, even a little bit. Yeah, I can't remember a movie. I can't remember an animated series. Yeah, I can't. I'm coming up blank. Yeah. Yeah, It's just... I was trying to think of music for, like, Captain America, and I immediately came up with the Superman theme. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this is superman son of a bitch (laughs) yeah there's just so many wasted opportunities i guess so how do you feel about them using pretty much licensed music for all their like what they've been trending towards recently where they have you know led zeppelin for thor ragnarok and they have the mix of different first movie mix of different good songs for guardians of the galaxy and then the second one volume two a mixture of terrible kind of lesser known songs and then the good song they used in the trailer they didn't use in the movie right or the credits why bother (laughs) why fucking bother and i don't know uh, between that and them overusing one track in particular for thor ragnarok yeah don't get me wrong great song fucking love immigrant song by led zeppelin school of rock did it better (laughs) (laughs) but god damn it guys it's like this is like 
It was like a blatant admission that musically we got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's a little disappointing because I feel like these characters are so iconic. Why why don't we have some kind of audio right. correlation with that? You know, like we do with Batman and Superman and, you know, the animated series with X-Men and the animated series with Super- Spider-Man and, you know, Batman, the animated series, Superman, you know. Like weirdly, um, with these individual characters, I can't think of music, but I can kind of hear in my head the Marvel logo coming up. <laughs> I can hear their the overall page flipping. Yeah, I can hear their overall logo and the music that they're trying to attach to that nowadays. <laughs> but for each character, it's just like eh. true believers. <laughs> Excelsior! You no, know, a, a show that has an underrated soundtrack. Batman Beyond. music uh, and it was badass uh, it, it rocked pretty wow, hard wow, 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 the future <laughs> let's uh, further hammer this one home yeah i love it i love it <laughs> it's it, it's one of my faves um i i think batman beyond might be in like my top 10 if not my top five yeah, it's, it's a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah. They're trying to go for, like, the futuristic dance club, but also <laughs> the creepy Batman dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, this is the life of the, like, new age high school kids. But little did they know, one of them was the Batman. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it would be a really cool nod to fans. I don't know what the rights are. I'm sure there's some kind of rights issue with the composer and stuff. But I think if they f- did some kind of orchestral variant of the X-Men theme song for when they for their introduction. Up. yeah. Oh, my God. I would shit my pants with happiness. <laughs> I would be so stoked at the, the moment I heard that song. you know, Like they did it with the Power Rangers movie. They put the old theme in the movie. <laughs> Here's the thing with that one. <laughs> I have an issue with that movie because, and mind you, I, I used to very secretly love the the shit out of the Power Rangers. I wasn't secret at all. <laughs> it was my Halloween costume for about 10 years. Uh, yeah, I, I was the idiot who tried to be too cool for that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm admitting it. Um, this was, for me, a wasted opportunity because instead of using... The very classic, the very rememberable TV theme, we used the movie theme. <laughs> That's which true. I, I, Not as good. I, it wasn't as good. It's Morphin Time! <laughs> <laughs> Did any of them actually say that? 
I don't know. God. I didn't watch oh. the movie. I just know the theme was in it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone posted it on YouTube and I watched it and I was stoked. <laughs> okay. We're going to want that add that to the list. <laughs> add that to the list. Oh, well, are there any other like super iconic musical numbers for any kind of comic series? I mean, Star Wars is obvious. I think I don't think anybody can really match the Star Wars theme music. Uh actually speaking of music, there's a Christmas present that I got for you. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Should I open it now? Uh yes. Before we transition to our next topic. Yeah. All right. Wait, speaking, we meant, we meant to of, do this before, but again, production issues. Speaking of memorable music, <laughs> I think you might fight in this one at least amusing. <laughs> Alright, let's see. Oh no. You were a man of your word. <laughs> Academy Award winning <laughs> Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> All I know is an award, it won an Academy Award and the the extended cut, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> the award and, was for best hair and, and makeup the, design. The trailer was fantastic <laughs> and was a trailer worthy of an Academy Award winning movie. Oh, is and that I don't I don't even know if I have to watch this to verify. Uh, I, you uh, know, I yeah, just accept uh, it as a... <laughs> You're going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well, it looks like that bit's about to be over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I anticipate there'll be a very sad review <laughs> of the mu- movie I have assumed was fantastic based on the great trailer by itself. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. It, it is. It can at, make any turd <laughs> fantastic. Apparently, it, it, it will. This will be the moment that hallmarks you becoming a comic book boy, <laughs> and re- really becoming the comic book man. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm I'm glad I have you to drop my comic book gonads. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, that <laughs> oh that's this is gonna be hilarious. Oh, this is more of a present to you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, speaking of holidays, uh, let's get into my topic. Ooh, New Year's comic book resolutions. Now, for this topic, I'm specifically talking about companies. We just take All a right. number of companies. And from our personal perspective, I'm guessing you will take over Marvel primarily, and I'll take over DC, and then we'll talk about Image and Boom and whatever. Oh, yeah. What do you think those comic book companies should make as part of their resolutions for the year? Marvel, I'm talking to you right now. Your resolution should be undo... Actually, no, I take it back. Not undo, but we need to actively address the poor writing that has been happening for the last year or maybe like a year and a half with the comics that you guys have been putting out. And it really doesn't help that a lot of it comes from titles that should not be. America needs to go. 
Iceman either needs to go or to get a new writer who knows how to respectfully address what it would mean to be gay in the current age and not in like the 90s. Characters like Captain America and all of that weird... Hell Hydra. Yep. Fuck Hydra. <laughs> the Magic Cube says, I'm a Hydra agent. I'm going to slap him. Ooh. America. <laughs> America. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America needs to have something where we can unjumble this spoiled ending of having regular Cap beat up Hydra Cap that's dumb, that has no place in Marvel Comics. We do not need regular Cap to beat up Hydra Cap. We had that already. Hydra Cap was called Red Skull. (sighs) To be fair, I don't think anybody gives a shit (laughs) (laughs) about Captain America or his cast. Well, here's the thing. With someone as brave and bold and beautiful as Chris Evans (laughs) playing the role. Get jacked. Get jacked. Pull on a fucking helicopter. (laughs) This is... With him doing this in the movies, we had a perfect opportunity to basically rewrite the history of boring Captain America comics. Hail Hydra. Motherfucker. (laughs) I mean, he's not the goody two-shoes anymore. That's what everybody complains about, right? Now he's a bad guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, about that. Um, (laughs) There are plenty of ways to make Captain America someone who might be seen as somewhat morally reprehensible. It's called Civil War. (laughs) We already had that. (laughs) We we already had the, the version of Captain America that either leaves America or fights against the American government or, I don't know, something other than become a Nazi by proxy, but still a Nazi. I. Anyways, moving on. It's an analogy, bro. Didn't you notice? Haven't you seen these white supremacists with their tiki torches in Charleston? Captain America is the embodiment of the American people. And when he goes over and becomes a Hydra Nazi guy, he's representing what is happening in mainstream America, bro. Okay. Okay, bro. It's a statement, bro. I'm going to burn you with a tiki torch. (laughs) 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 Fucking missing the point of Captain America (laughs) needs to stop. Um, Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, we we need to talk about Riri Williams as Iron heart man lady whatever <laughs> and basically being a glorified thief allowed to run a billionaire company looking for the actual title character all right for reasons i guess so she steals tech <laughs> she gets applauded for it runs the company <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just stupid it's just it makes no sense yeah. And actually, ultimately, Riri Williams is indicative of a larger problem. And that is, there is nothing wrong with 
bringing in new characters to make the cast more diverse. There is a problem when you bring those characters in, make them out to be heroes taking over mantles when they're not actually heroes. Or, at the very least, any kind of interesting. And they're a ripoff on top of everything else. Yes. She's not even in, like her own independent cool character. Right. She's just a ripoff of another character forced into the role of another character. Right. Because reasons? Yeah. We're going to have her wear the same fucking red and yellow armored suit and say, that oh. That she stole, by the way. That she stole. And is applauded for stealing. And say, oh, she's different. She's new. But she's still... Iron Man? But also, she's the best at everything. Yes. She's the best thinker. She's the best doer. She's the best engineer. She, oh, with Kind of without explanation. But, she you know. outdoes everyone, and she's still, what, 15, 16? Yeah, I don't s- care who you silly. are from MIT. Pretty lazy. <laughs> it's, it's lazy. It's dumb. It's offensive that this is what they thought would be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, this this brings up an issue that we've talked about for for a long time. Diversity in comics. Oh, there should be diversity in comics, especially as we go forward and the home of comics, which is typically America, becomes even more diverse. You know. Yeah. Uh, with every passing year, it should happen. But you shouldn't just strip old characters of their mantles and identities and titles, or even worse, put them together with the characters. <laughs> you know. They keep adding more bat people of different colors and creeds and ideas and whatever else. We got enough, okay? Uh, Green Lantern, you can kind of get away with it because they're a police corps, but it doesn't really make sense because there's supposed to be only one per quadrant or whatever, and there's seven. (laughs) It's not nearly Uh, as bad as two Hawkeyes making out with each other. Yeah, we got that too (laughs) on the covers this week. It's just, it's lazy. And now, yeah, I think DC has this problem for sure too. But I feel Marvel is far worse because Marvel has been getting kind of applauded for their efforts for so long right. that they just went full over the top, overboard with it, and they kind of ruined a lot of good stories by doing that. And, the and then is, you have the yeah. Secret Wars events and stuff, mixing old versions of characters with present and future versions of the same characters alongside right. more diversified versions of the same title character, it just gets so overwhelming and confusing and stupid and nonsensical and just unnecessary. It, and it, it doesn't lead to a cohesive universe. The, the biggest thing with that is that... Uh, it's just It's not leaving any room for real creativity. Yeah. It, like it's I agree. All, it's yeah. all recycling, mixing and mashing, and hopefully people keep buying like a similar story but with things kind of tweaked a little bit. Yeah. Instead of actually taking risks. So I really applaud what DC's doing with the new era of DC heroes. Yes. They're, they're at least trying. They're yes. Trying. Which is what I want, you know? And you don't know. You might hit on a handful of them. You might really get some good stuff, you know? Like, um, as a Marvel fanboy, why am I looking forward to primarily DC titles right now? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I'm. I hope DC sticks with this mantra going forward. Although, obviously, with the metal event, apparently they just found an excuse to add more 
bat people and nonsense yeah. on the side, and they still did their stupid post-rebirth convergence bullshit that has a bunch of versions of the same people, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with that resolution. Yeah. Um, for me, it's a little bit more aesthetic for a lot of companies, specifically DC and Marvel. Um, DC's on the right track, but they're still not committing for every issue. Put the barcode on the back. Uh, yeah. There's no reason to have the barcode on the front. It blocks the art. It blocks the credits. You know, just put it on the back. It's a small change, and it it improves the comic formats by so much. You know, Marvel. If there's one note that you could be taking from DC right now, it's look at the logistical things that they did with Doomsday Clock. Put the barcode on the back. Yeah, and the new DC redesign I'm loving because it allows the art to be displayed fully and doesn't overwhelm it. Like, the big Rebirth banner drove me crazy because it took up, like, a tenth of the page just to write Rebirth and have a big blue streak that, you know, curved. And then in New 52... it took up more. New 52, yeah, probably. Uh, new 52, they had issues where they were putting stupid advertisements for the arrow and flash and you know dark knight rises <laughs> on the top on a big blue thick banner that once again took up half the fucking cover you could have put that on the back very easily stop you know? reading this comic book and go watch this thing on tv or in the movies yeah so that that stuff drove me crazy but i am glad that even with the ones that dc does have with the barcode on the front they've shrunk them significantly i mean you look at these ones i mean they're huge yeah, and you look at the ones now; they're much smaller, so which much appreciated. I, I hope they stick with that direction with both their Vertigo titles and their DC proper titles. Um, and I, I hope Marvel takes a note of it because I think Marvel has needed a redesign for a long time, and it's looked very. I don't like the modern Marvel look at all, and the big red bar takes up so much of the page, and it just it yeah. where the new DC redesign actually lends to the cover because it actually changes color you know to match the artwork yeah the marvel ones don't they're just that same bold red with the big bar and the digital first stamp on it and blah 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 and it just it detracts so much because red is such a distracting color as it is you know detracts so much from what could be a cool title you know um yeah marvel needs to come up with something i personally was a fan of how they used to do it uh, back when they would have, oh, here's a bunch of tiny faces over here, like things you could uh, yeah. look forward to in the comic, and you know, barcode right underneath that, and then tiny little bit Marvel, and then the title not being too terribly obtrusive. Yeah, I, I, I like what DC did with the kind of symbol. They put the symbol of the main character of the book, yeah, underneath the label, so you know who it focuses on. That's, that's fine for me. I, the face thing, like it's classic. Yeah, I, you know, I love it on the old books because it lets you know which characters are featured, and for collectors, it's really helpful. <laughs> yeah, because you don't have to open it up. Um, but I, I, I do think it was a little goofy, you know, a little silly sometimes. A little bit, but that that was their thing. That was their mantra of, oh, this is what you can expect. Yeah, that was very much kind of their calling card for a long time. So yeah, yeah. I either way, <laughs> I would happily take that over what they currently have, which is the big red banner, just taking up so much space. You know? oh, it detracts yeah. so much from the art. And I, If I was an artist at Marvel, I'd be very frustrated. Cause, you know, how, how do you ever get a time to shine, you know? When right. Just the label itself and the barcode and the advertisements detract so much from the actual art. 
Yeah, and that was my frustration with DC for a long time. But thankfully, with this new redesign, um, I'm really digging it. Yeah, uh, there's actually <laughs> uh, another current gripe. Um, one of the things that uh, Marvel has done specifically with the X titles mm-hmm. is they've made it very clear which ones are X titles and which ones aren't by putting, not putting, plastering a big fucking X like right under it and like underlining like the yeah. title character or the name of the team just to let you know this is the kind of book you're going to be getting yeah. it's like there's it, it's like already sectioning off parts of marvel from itself it's super obnoxious yeah, yeah. i totally agree um just to go into other comic companies companies like idw yeah you got to stop emphasizing the variants uh, it's, these, for one thing, the variants aren't good. If they were good variants, it would be a different issue. But I'd say ninety percent of them are just waste, wasted. You yeah. know, they're super busy or they're just kind of lame and don't really stand out. And then, you, you, I would say at least IDW releases issues as opposed to companies like Valiant <laughs> releases one issue a month and. 600 variants of that one issue. Yeah. And then second printings of variants of previous issues. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Valiant's been doing, man. They've been... They had a big, cool event not too long ago. It's like Book of the Dead or something. And it was really neat. Uh, and then they just kind of just flew off into nowhere. And then now, yeah. now I feel like all they make is like faith books because that's what got them positive press. It was a obese superhero yeah that doesn't shame herself i don't know <laughs> and eh. i don't really see anything else i see like a ninjack cover you know like, once every three months and then a you know yeah i just feel it's, like they've fallen so far from where they should be um they, they had so much promise we'll see what boom does now that marvel owns a portion of them with the 21st century Fox trade, I feel like they'll probably experience a few changes, yeah. but I I'd say across the board, there's nothing wrong with a few variants, you know, one or two for a book or a big event, especially, you know, yeah, it gives artists, you know, extra work, which is what we want. It gives opportunities for people to proliferate their work. Yeah. But I feel like some companies just Dive a hundred percent into the variants, you know, with the fucking vampirellas. There's uh, every week. There's six hundred vampirella covers <laughs> that nobody fucking wants. <laughs> Betty Page is another one. Um, just you know, I think those dynamite, dynamite, and IDW are the big, you know, the big ones, the big names that do this without <laughs> yeah. really good warranted cause. And it's like, just, it's very frustrating, not only as the podcast, because I have to read these stupid variants to try, I, the, at the way they're listed, they're all variants. So it's like, I have to figure out which ones are just like a new issue and which ones are reprintings and, you know. Yeah. And then as a fan, I go to pick up these books. I'm like, as a collector, I'm like, I always want the first printing of the first version of that issue. That's what I want. That's what I want as a collector. I don't give a shit about 600 extra variants that... You know, maybe they'll be valuable to somebody, right. but I, the, most collectors don't give a shit <laughs> if yeah, it's, no. if they're worried about the series itself. You know, and uh, I think there's just too many out there where they're trying to make a profit by making all these variants, and I don't understand how it's possibly profitable for some of these companies. Like DC, DC got variant crazy for about 
two years because they did yeah they did a handful of variant events where they did like a steampunk variant event that was really cool and then like that sold gangbusters and i mean you can't find you still can't find them i try (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to complete that collection but i only got like a fourth of it and i was there you know (laughs) um you were in the thick of that one and then there's like the forever evil where they had the good kind of 3d variants um but once they saw the success, they started drooling over themselves and made every single month a variant month. So every single month had like fucking horrible Mad Magazine variants and Looney Tunes variants. And uh. just every month was some other stupid theme. And it just it ruined what made the previous events so unique and so cool. So they, they were events that happened one time, you know out of the blue once you know every 10 years you know you get something like that specific thing and yeah yeah i've just been i was really disappointed and I'm, I'm glad to see that this past two years even though i have a lot of criticisms of rebirth that that was one thing they kind of backed off from a little bit and uh i think marvel's doing the opposite i think for the past year or two marvel's just been they've, variant crazy yeah they've and been it, kind of backsliding to the point where it's it's gotten worrisome with I mean, it's gotten to a point where, like, a, a lot of people that have pools at, like, Laughing Ogre and, you know, Comic Town and comic shops in our area, um, you know, the comic shop owner is, like, trying to give them the variants because they know if they put them out on the shelves, people won't want the variants. They want the originals. Right. So, like, the pool customers are like, all right, I don't care which one I get. And so they take the variants, you know. Jeez. And, you know, that that's... previous knowledge would dictate that, oh, this is going to be more valuable because they printed a few less of these ones. Yeah. But that's not how it's working in the current market, you know. The current market, those variants are basically toilet paper. Yeah, by the time you take them home, you know. Pretty much. And it it sucks unless it's like done by a really iconic artist or something. It's, you know. Yeah, the the thing that kills me about it is that already in this new year, Marvel, as far as variants are concerned, Rogue and Gambit as a title which I admit is going to be a very niche title, even among Marvel fans. They've already added, like, what, seven variants to this? At least. At least. For, for the, the first, first issue? issue? Yeah. God. For this, I don't mind as much because it is a premiere issue, but I guarantee you it won't stay that way. It'll keep going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. no. Second issue, eight more variants, <laughs> you know, that you don't want, you know? And half of them are stupid. Half yeah. of them are lame. It's like one was like an, a white cover with like symbols on it yeah how is that collectible <laughs> like nobody wants that yeah that, <clears throat> so i i just feel like both dc dc got through the phase and corrected course a little bit i think marvel is just at the beginning of that phase we're like ah oh, this isn't <laughs> earning as much as we thought it would yeah uh, we might have a problem here also i think we have way too many artists <laughs> wanting to draw for this one comic yeah um, and one last resolution for me, one last big one. Um, commit to titles for at least a year. Yes. Don't cancel titles that are, you know, four issues, five issues in, unless like the creator died or something, something extreme. You know, yeah. Bendis is leaving, obviously. You can't do anything about that. But I think as long as your creator's still on the team and everything, commit to at least a year storyline for each of these title books. I can't tell you how frustrating it is as a fan of DC, especially in New 52. New 52's launch had a ton of characters. They basically gave new books for 
everybody from static shock to you know martian manhunter and cyborg and uh you know all the kind of more niche characters grifter wildstorm you know all these he deserves it Uh, exactly i love grifter (laughs) uh but like all these kind of more niche characters got their own books and got mr terrific um yeah firestorm like all these characters oh everyone gets their own book everybody got a shot yeah uh which is great but the problem is if they didn't sell within the first three months they got canceled Oh, so so there were lawyer a lot of readers like, yeah, cut off in the middle of a story. To be fair, I think that was the plan all along because you know they had you only have so many creators and they had so many different titles going on. Right, you know, Animal Man. I will say, Animal Man was fantastic. Yeah. Animal Man was fantastic. Swamp Thing was fantastic. Mister Terrific wasn't bad. Um, just there's so many niche characters that just were so great in that new 52 launch yeah and thankfully swamp thing and animal man lasted a bit longer because they were so critically uh successful uh, even if the sales didn't necessarily dictate that um but there was a lot of other titles that weren't commercially successful that probably were very you know finance or uh critically successful and things that I really loved and things that I really enjoyed, but those characters never got a chance to flush out. And I think that's the biggest issue with kind of the whole diversity argument in comics. You know, if you have a brand new character, which is what we want, mm-hmm. or, you know, a character that has been established but just not given enough love to really shine, um, I think these these comic companies need to give them a chance, give them at least a year. Yeah. take off because you get one comic a month you know you, how how is a writer or a creator an artist supposed to tell a full story you right. know with four issues you know or with the threat of cancellation hanging over them all the time because they took a risk and created something new and tried something new so i need that i think there needs to be a more if not rewarding environment for new ideas and new creators and new stories um, there needs to at least be a more stable environment where they can commit to this book right. for a year. I can't, you know, even if you got to write everything else, you know, ahead of time, be like, all right, here's the whole story. It's completely written out. This is what I want to tell. And we can work on the art and get it down each month or whatever. Yeah. Great. Whatever. But give it a chance because these books, they just they get canceled three, four, five issues in, and then the creator has to scramble to make up some kind of convoluted ending to it, you know? Right. And the, they can't tell their story properly, and they get slammed, <laughs> you know? And the, the character is once again tarnished by an unfinished storyline or a poorly finished storyline or poor yeah. character development, you know? I mean, uh, so... The, those are the big ones for me. Uh, put the barcodes on the back, reduce the labels, or if th- at the very least make it so they complement the, the cover art, like what DC's done with the new d- redesign. Um, stop d- trying to push all these variants that people don't want and actually detract from the overall product. Um, yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a variant or two or whatever, but it just having variants for every single comic book and having, you know, three, four, five variants for every single book every month. It's just, it's overwhelming. And I, I'm sure comic shops hate it, you know? Oh, yeah. Because um, it, it I, makes the market seem very unstable. As a customer, I hate it. So, um, yeah. something to think about. And I don't understand how that could be profitable. And then, we, uh, 
my final one is just you know commit commit to these characters for at least a year give them give these creators and a shot to at least try to tell their story and make these new characters shine especially with these new age of dc heroes you know give them a chance you know don't cancel them after four issues just because they didn't sell out the gate they're not going to sell out, out the gate if they're good ideas if they're brand new ideas you know um it's not a Batman title. It's probably not going to sell Gangbusters the first three or four issues, you know, until yeah. it establishes itself. Yeah. Um, uh, it, there needs to be a period of time in which these characters can be, like, very firmly established as either well done or poorly done. It's mm-hmm. like if it turns out after that entire time that they've committed to, it's not good, then leave it alone, never return to it again. Yeah. At least he gave it a chance. That's, right. That's all we ask, really. Um, did you have any other really big points, or do you think we touched on them all? Cancel America, for the <laughs> love of God. Well, based on the March solicitations, it sure looks like it. Oh, thank God. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, I think that wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books Podcast. Mediocre! Thank you all for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe on our YouTube video and uh, on your podcast services of choice. Remember, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes, we're on YouTube. Uh, we'll probably get on SoundCloud before too long. Uh, you can always find the links to these different feeds and our YouTube channel on our website, HTB Vids. There's no advertisements. There's no pop-up ads or anything that are going to fucking crash your computer. Yeah, none of that. It's a very simple site, very easy directions. You can find your way. And if you like the website, you can actually look around for reviews and previous covers of the week and explanations and a bunch of other content. Uh, remember, on a YouTube channel, we got instructional videos. We got uh, reviews for several movies and different items. Um and obviously the weekly podcast. Uh, I hope you'll join us next week. Again, we release every Wednesday uh, with a new episode of Hit the Books Podcast. Think I touched on everything? Yeah, I think we got it. If you want to let us know what you think or have some constructive criticism or just want to throw some kudos our way, you can always uh, tweet us at HTB, at HTB Vids. You can follow us on Facebook at forward slash hit the books. Uh, and uh, once again, check out our website, htbvids.com. Or leave a comment below on our uh, YouTube channel. Or go fuck yourself. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't fuck yourself. We care. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for watching. I've been your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.